This is the Private Practice Workshop Podcast with John Clark, your host, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with uh, therapist Brad Smallwood, uh, who's in private practice out in San Francisco, California. That's right, my old stomping grounds. And a couple of fun facts. Number one, uh, Brad was my very first supervisor uh, in the nonprofit that I worked for when I first moved to San Francisco. My very first supervisor, if you can imagine that. So it was a big role to fill in my life at that time. Uh, he also has become a really good friend of mine. We uh, we talk a little bit in this episode about our shared love of mixed martial arts. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, brown belt among, uh, among many other talents that you're going to hear about in this episode, including uh, being a really wonderful therapist um, and a really sharp business owner. So we're really just talking about his uh, his transformation from being a leader at a uh, at a big nonprofit in San Francisco to um, how he started building his practice while he was still in that nonprofit to where he is today, having a full thriving private pay practice uh, out in San Francisco. So the episode is just full of um, actionable stuff that you can take away and implement into your own business and life. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to in this episode. Before I forget to mention, there's also a few random pauses and stuff in this episode because we thought the audio was uh, crapping out, but it wasn't. So I'm leaving those in there uh, because it's just not worth editing out. So you'll excuse those. Those those blemishes are what gives it character, right? Um, in other news, um, I just got back uh, from spending some time in D.C. with, uh, first of all, my uh, director of operations, Laura, and we were doing a bit of a team offsite. We were celebrating um, her time with a uh, private practice workshop with the company, envisioning and planning for the future ahead in this next year. And perhaps most importantly, we were scouting out and chose our live event location for um, the live event that is kind of the culmination of our mastermind community purpose-driven practice that launches in just a few weeks. I've only got a few more slots for this group, so I'm not going to push it super hard, but this mastermind group is uh, an experience um, that's going to transform your personal and professional life and something that you absolutely just don't want to miss. And again, starting here in just a couple weeks and then culminating in a live in-person retreat that's included in your membership dues um, coming up in the spring. So I can't wait to uh, uh, to share more about that with you guys. Um, you can actually see a video of me there at uh, the venue location um, and showing you around, talking more about the mastermind, et cetera. So you can actually, um, you can click the link that's in the show notes here, or you can uh, just go to privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash PDP for purpose-driven practice. So that's just forward slash PDP for purpose-driven practice practice. Uh, there's a lot to, um, uh, a lot to discover about, uh, about what's ahead. So, um, anyway, so that's what is, uh, that's what's coming up. That's what you should be on the lookout for. And, uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Brad Smallwood, welcome to the show, my friend. Long time no see. It's been a while, John. What's up, man? Looking like doing? a true therapist. 
<laughs> he's got these great glasses on. This guy has mm-hmm. different different pair of glasses every time I see him. It's fantastic. You're becoming yep. looking more and more like a therapist by the day. Yeah, and when I don't cut my hair, my it, it goes even grayer, so I look more sage Perfect. and wise. You know, <laughs> totally. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. It's good to see you, and um, I'm excited to uh, to chat with you today. Um, yeah, me too. Tell Thanks folks a bit more about who you are. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so yeah, I've told them a bit about kind of the official uh, the official intro, but what about the unofficial? Okay. The unofficial intro. Um, oh, I'm a therapist in San Francisco. Um, I've I've been working as a marriage and family therapist for about 12 years. Um, working working with children and just people in general. Um, about 20 from surf coaching to junior lifeguarding. Just a, I was a pretty typical teenage camp counselor. Um, Love it. And then, um, but the last, you know, at least for the last decade, I've been a marriage and family therapist here in San Francisco. Um, I work in private practice, um, like a lot of therapists do. I'm in no- the Noe Valley neighborhood, if you're familiar with that, San Franciscans, good That's spot. <laughs> um, I, I've, got a, I've got a pretty core focus of my practice. Um, I see a lot of adolescents, uh, meaning like, you know, middle school all the way till, you know, the end of high school. Um, but I also see a lot of young adults and just adults in general. Another one of my core focuses in training is in anger management and anger control. I also, for the last two years, I've been the in-house therapist at that tech company, Square. So I, I see a, an extraordinary amount of tech workers. And so that that's a space that, I don't know if it's a focus, but it's certainly become, um, it's certainly become a lot of my people. It has a lot to do with um, just San Francisco itself, just mm-hmm. what the city is. But so that that's what I do. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I'm I, I kind of stay in my lane in terms of like who I see as a therapist. And um, outside of that, I've got a hundred pound dog named Lenny, and uh, <laughs> I like to surf. And I've I've been into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for uh, gosh, you know, well over a decade. So Love those it. are those. That's me. We have a, we have a number of shared interests. One of which is martial arts. I've talked about that on this show before, and all the lessons it's taught me. And oh, uh, you and I have never gone head to head, so to speak, because we do totally different martial arts. I know. <laughs> I'd be yeah, okay if you some... and I were on the feet and, and uh, with a little tie boxing. I'd I'd probably get <laughs> real cocky real fast, and then you'd take me <laughs> to the ground and put me in a, a Kimura headlock or something, and I would that'd be the end of the day for me. We could have some sort of like ther- therapist kumite. It'd there's a, there's another marriage and family therapist. There's another marriage and family therapist I know, uh, Ben Russick, who's an, an amazing addiction specialist. But he's a black belt in jujitsu, and it's yeah. funny like we we cross refer, but then we also we're both really into jujitsu. Yeah. So we you know we'll we'll literally like have check ins over coffee, and then we'll be like, hey, you want to meet at the gym? And then we'll you know we'll try and strangle each other. It's great. It. I love it. I wish more people could, would do it. <laughs> could set something like that up for 2020, man. Maybe, you know? <laughs> maybe a little retreat. Well, so full disclosure, um, Brad was one of my very first supervisors. Can you believe that? Um, I remember yeah. the day that, um, and, and folks who've listened for a while, they know my story more or less. But moved out to the Bay Area, I applied for like 41 jobs, and somehow. Our, our beloved nonprofit that you and I both worked at, they accepted me <laughs> for a very mm-hmm. entry-level job. And I remember the first day at training, they're like, okay, your supervisor, you know, Brad is going to come pick you up and take you to lunch. And I remember you pull up in this, in this um, big old beautiful pickup truck listening to country music. And I'm like, I'm... <laughs> you're, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, I'm from Virginia. And I moved to California and a dude... A California native in a big pickup truck listening to country music is like my boss now. And I remember it was the funniest thing. I was like, 
okay, this is backwards, <laughs> but I kind of love it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know what my problem is. I've always, since I was a little kid, like, it's funny, I am from California, but like, we're, my, my family's actually from Arkansas. So I've got like really rural roots. So what I listened to as a kid was, you know, things like, you know, like, like country music. So it's, um, it is funny because people bring that up. They're like, you, you listen to country music, man. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, like in terms of the interest that people are into, I don't yeah. think that really should raise eyebrows. But, <laughs> it does in San Francisco you know, the, a little bit, I guess. The, the, the pickup truck though, I mean, um, I was one of those kids that watched Back to the Future okay. and when Marty McFly got his dream truck at the end, that was always kind of me, but that dream came true at 33 years old. I love that. And, uh, but then also I keep my surfboards, you know, I've, I've, I've surfed my entire life, so it's just, you know, but yeah, I know that the idea of like, you, you would think I would, yeah, the idea of having a, a clinical supervisor, you know, <laughs> like showing up in a, in a Toyota Tundra, like, I don't know, I don't know what I was listening to at the time, probably something horrible, probably but, uh, probably. but yeah, no, it was, I, I, I distinctly remember that too. Um, I think I said something cause that was in the days of one of the things I loved about the community-based agency, like, you know, where we, where we came from was it, it, I found when I entered that place, it had just gone through one of those typical community-based agency, like employee quittings. Mm -hmm. And so the culture was horrible, but at the same time, the culture was ripe mm -hmm. to, to change. And so I remember just being like, you know what, like one day we got this new office and everybody's upset about it. I'm like, what if we just named it the Wolf Lair, you know, and just like, just ran with it. And, uh, I remember saying something. I was like, hey, you're going to be part of the wolf lair. And you said something to me like, I have a shirt with 41 wolves on it. And I was like, we're going to get along just that fine. That was it. I was like, should I wear it? <laughs> Too soon to wear it on the first day? And you're like, you should probably rock it. Yeah, you should probably wear it. It'll, it'll help. <laughs> it'll help you be accepted. So f fast forward a good bit of time. I've known you for a while now. Yeah. And um, and yeah, you're all, you're all in on private practice now. So... Um, Man, and we could go on recounting memories and also the, the days of working in nonprofit and how formative they were, uh, certainly for me, I think for you as well. Um, yeah. But you, you were talking before the show, you had some ideas as to some places where therapists get hung up in making the transition to private practice or in just being successful in private practice and then also what we can do about it. So maybe let's crack into that list. Absolutely. Let me, let me pull up my notes real quick just so I, uh, I don't forget about all the things we're talking about. Um, yeah, where some of the things where I see people struggle, um, making the leap from community-based agencies to private practice, um, lo looking backwards is such an obvious move, but the idea of doing it is really scary. Mm. Um, typically when people are contemplating that move, I'd imagine the level of burnout within community-based agencies is very high. And if you're familiar with burnout in a community-based mental health agency, it is a very real thing. Like just the amount of learned helplessness, um, mm you're severely underpaid and no fault of the agency, but they're running with too many needs and not enough resources. So they're just saying, Hey, mm -hmm. you should be thankful for just being allowed to exist here. So sure. I think with a lot of therapists transitioning into private practice, the idea of going it alone and actually charging a fee, um, that is something very foreign to them. I know that graduate school doesn't, doesn't help you at all in the in terms of the business acumen. What you get from community-based agencies and grad school is clinical skill. Um, I, I couldn't trade the things that I learned in community-based agencies for the world. I really feel strong in what I know. But in terms of business acumen, which is a weird thing to say as a therapist, but it's a real thing, it's something that um, you, you really have to be intentional about developing. So some of the places I see therapists struggle is they – for one, they're burnout. 
Um, they don't know how to really have any conversations around money with, with clients. I, and I'm, I'm trying to think what else would be. Um, <sighs> those are the two things I, I you know, mm. but you know, um, you know, sorry to fall short there, but well, it's, um, those it's are also two- about how you, how clinicians learn to see their efficacy, right? Because in in a lot of people's case, in my case, I'll just use my ex- experience as an example. I remember sitting there with you and even having supervisions where I'm going, I don't know how I can help here in this family's life. Or and there yeah. was an ethos even with the team of we're working in some impossible situations and you had a reframe for it. I can't remember right now, but it was something on the lines of like, we, you, we would say around the office, like either like this is too hard or this is really hard or, you know, this is impossible. And you had kind of a reframe for it. I can't remember what it was. A- absolutely. Um, hey, did our, our computers glitch at all right here? No, you're good. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, there, there might've been a little connection thing on my end. Um, no, I absolutely, I think there really is a lot of, uh, you know, back to the learned helplessness. Yeah. Hang on. My computer's like glitching. Let me just fine. hit escape real quick. The audio is, the audio go. is good, which is all that matters. Okay, good. Just, just checking. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to, you know, lose, lose content here. Yeah. Some of the reframes I, I remember it, it's funny cause therapists are good at reframing situations. But I would hear things like, you know, people would say, oh, my God, this is a really hard job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a hard job, it's, that's the way that you approach the thinking around that job. Mm-hmm. I remember that. It's, it's a, it is a job, but it's a job that requires thinking on multiple levels. That's and right. It's a some job of the other requires things, multiple levels of thinking. That was, yeah. that was the one. And that's, that's, way, that's, that's so much less of a way of looking at it than, oh, this is just a difficult job. I can't yeah. do it. When something's a challenge versus a threat, the difference between that is having the perceived resources to accomplish that thing rather than not being able to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the other ones, I mean, I remember our clinical director who I really liked, but he just, he had this way of just kind of saying things. He would say like, well, one year here is like seven years. It's like seven dog years. And I was like, that is the most defeating thing to say. Yeah, so yeah. when you've been here for four years, that means you've been here for 28 years. Like that amount of life is what's been taken out mm-hmm. of you. Like that might not be the thing to share with people who are, yeah, you know, starting and, out. <laughs> at the, and at the same time, they're going like, well, we're having a hard time. Like we have a really bad attrition rate. I don't know why these people quit, keep quitting for a thousand dollars a year more somewhere else. Yeah. And you're like, well, when you frame the job as traumatic and meaningless and you should yeah. still be thankful for being here, like I totally get it. Why someone would like, why someone would jump and. You know what was what was one of the other ones I found really helpful. Th- those are the big ones. Um, I, I don't know where I learned those. Um, somewhere, but I did think. And then the other part was like it is a hard job. But like when you talk about it to other people now, when I really think about my intern years, um, I'm going to say somewhat of a. I, I'll, I'll try not to cuss, but it's such a badass job mm-hmm. in real life. You yeah. know, where it's like, dude, like I'm out of grad school, and rather than just like just kind of being bored like I've got to drive two hours and I've got to go I've got to go into this very difficult situation and I've got to I've you know it's like all these tasks that I have to do and that is really cool Mm. you know like being able to frame it that way it's like we we go get to do really like really challenging work and when you look at it that way it makes it a little bit easier and reflecting on it now I find it so helpful because a lot of times when I see my teenagers, you know, a lot of times their parents refer them to me and they'll, they'll say something to me like their first appointment. I always, I always consider it like a mutual interview and they'll say something to me like, 
well, you know, what do you know? And I'll be like, well, really nothing. You know, I don't know. I, you know, I, yeah. and they'll be like, well, what have you done in the past? And then I'll just kind of tell them some story. Like, you know, I used to be probation specific. You know, I used to go out to like East Oakland, you mm-hmm. know, in the middle of the night on crisis calls. And like, there's like that, you know, even when I say that out loud now, I was like, even though at the time, like waking up at two in the morning when this is clearly mm-hmm. a bigger crisis than just like Brad, the therapist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Looking back on that, that was like really cool, and uh, it gives you a sense. You know, so of, it it in private. Yeah, it gives you a sense of agency that you don't, you know, you don't know you're developing it in the moment. You don't know that it is kind of forming you, or at least I'm, I didn't know it was forming me so much um, until I was then in a different context or fully in private practice, and I went, um, "Wow, those experiences were really preparing me." for what was to come and sometimes when we're in it when we're in the middle of an experience we can't really see what it's doing for our future selves absolutely that um you know that soren kierkegaard existential Mm -hmm. quote like you can only live forward and understand backwards yeah i would say like community-based was like it is only uh you, it can only be clinical uh, yeah. looking backwards rather than forwards. Yeah, yeah. That was always the thing that people would say to me. They'd be like, this job doesn't feel clinical. I'd be like, well, if you haven't noticed, we're not in a clinic. We're yeah. in the community. <laughs> yeah. <It's> <laughs> but in terms of what you learn clinically, like the idea, like in terms of family therapy, how to like facilitate an absolutely chaotic family team meeting versus now when you have a family that comes into your office. I mean, in terms of being under high stress, high stakes situations. Yeah. Um, it, it's just so much more, you can be so much more reflective now and you just totally. like, Hey, I've, I've done this thousands of times. Totally. So, where, but where all else those do things, you see therapists uh, struggling in, in private practice or are we ready to switch to the, uh, um, the how to Yeah, list? no, let's, let's, uh, let's, um, no, let's, where I see therapists struggling when they get out, they, therapists don't have visibility when they get out into private practice and being in San Francisco, it is a fairly technology based community, but I would apply that to most of the world for people seeking therapy. Um, I talk to a lot of therapists like, I'm not getting phone calls. I'm like, I, I have talked to a couple of therapists that are awesome therapists and they have so much to offer the therapy world and community. They don't have a website. They're not responsive to the emails they mm-hmm. get. If I've sent them a referral, um, you know, it is, you know, like things like psychology today, which are really helpful. Um, Yelp as much as, you know, I, Yelp is kind of a, yeah, it's, it's a, just it's one a of those huge things. one and it, and it was it, a it, huge one for me. I've talked about on the show before as well. It, it, it is big. Um, but you know, like having a presence there, it's, it really is. I've, I've read this and I can't stress this enough. Like when you're new in private practice, usually your only problem is that people just don't know you're there yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, what we we're talking about, you know, before we started this, um, some of the other things that I see, and, and these are some of the things uh, which we can segue into therapists can do, is sometimes I see therapists when they get out, of, get out into private practice, there's a, there's a level of burnout that maybe they're still experiencing or they just don't, haven't figured out, I, I don't want to say how it works, but you know, they'll, they'll kind of come out and they'll say, hey, I'm in private practice, like, can everybody send me referrals? And it's just like, well, yep. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it doesn't exactly work that way. And you know, we can get into, I, I I really think that like the more therapists there are in private practice, the better. I have I have never experienced more private practice therapists coming in and all of a sudden feeling threatened. It's really that part's fascinating it's really just a testament. Because because San Francisco is also like the city. Even someone last week I was talking to a therapist and and I said we were talking to, to her about why 
you know, she isn't full yet or what, where is she getting stuck in a private practice, private practice. And she said, Uh-oh. well, I'm in, um, she said, you know, I'm in San Francisco and it's a really therapist dense area. And I thought, yes. And I hear that phrase like once a week. And my reframe yeah. for that is, okay, anytime you're in a therapist dense area, that means you're also in a consumer dense area, a therapy client dense area. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, it, it, it's, it's just so strange that a lot of therapists cling to that, that scarcity, like right off, right out the gate. No, I, I, I do find that. And in the beginning too, I, you know, when I was in private practice, I was even thinking like, maybe I should be like, talking to therapists that like maybe I'll talk to the, the therapists that focus in like disordered eating or something way different than I do. So when they when they get a referral that doesn't match, they'll, you know, we can send them each other's way. But what I've even found is I, I network and communicate with therapists that do exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. Like there's no competition. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if it, it really is. I don't walk around with that mentality like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Bill is going to get this referral. It's that's it's a silly way of thinking. If anything, um, you really find a lot of other therapists. They they are so good at their certain niche, and to refer to them is it is so nice. And what you find is when you work with the people that are that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, that benefits everybody. Hundred percent. It really. Um, no, that idea. I, I whenever someone tells me, I get coffee all the time with people thinking about making that jump into private practice and they go well don't you have like 60 therapists on your street and i'm like yeah mm. it doesn't seem to matter yeah exactly it doesn't seem to matter yeah i do when there's, when so there's many, competition there's so therapy it, it, it literally means there's demand it means there's number one proof of concept number two there's demand for anything any kind of business so um well in yeah. the interest of time so, let's let's fast forward um, into our our list of what to do yeah, things that have helped you along the in, way to like you know some of the some of the points that we were talking about prior cool i'm still getting weird connection are you yeah, um, it, i can i can see on video but I, as long as you can hear me on audio bit, but that's okay let's um let's disable video and we'll just keep rolling it's not a big deal i don't know why it's poor connection i have screaming wi-fi that's all good you can uh turn your camera off maybe it also could be on my end okay yeah no worries cool i I didn't even consider that um yeah so you know some of the notes that um that i i've put down and you know finding success in private practice which which i alluded to or not alluded to spoke to a minute ago was um visibility you know in Mm -hmm. order for people to in order for people to to find you you need to have a presence. Um, and that's, and that's online these days. You know, we don't, I don't think we get phone books anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. so the idea of, um, and, and that's visibility. And one of the other things that I think is, isn't really in, we've talked about this at length that still isn't very well understood is naming your core focus Mm -hmm. of what you do. There are so many therapists in San Francisco that just is like Bill Smith therapy. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I, you know, you're not naming what you do. It's like, hey, do you have problems in your life? Would you like to talk about them? Mm-hmm. That is very vague. Sure. And every single therapist can do that. Um, some may be more skilled than others. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing, I find a lot of people contacting me, especially around the anger management and teenagers, because they go, it's either whether that's a, a Google search or a keyword search. Mm-hmm. But that's how they get a hold of me, and that's something that I'm really skilled in, and I see a lot of those people. And so 
and that, that those are the people that I tend to like to work with. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I have found overwhelmingly, like when you have a caseload of people that are that are roughly coming in for everybody's got different different presenting problems, but when you have a core focus like you learn, you become better at what you do. Yep. Um, and people people get tremendous benefit when when mm-hmm. they are matched with the appropriate therapist for what their presenting problem is. They get better, mm-hmm. and that's what we're that's what we've set out to do. You know, we're we're helpers. Totally. So, uh, some of the other things that I another thing that I think is um, that's underappreciated. I think that there's this idea of the therapist where you have to be like this very brooding and woke therapist. Um, I, I think authenticity is, you know, I, I think authenticity is one of the biggest factors that has really helped all therapists that I see in terms of their success in private practice. Um, I, I don't believe in blank slates as therapy um, mm-hmm. or, you know, meaning like a blank wall, whatever that psychoanalytic sure. term is. But, um, you know, of course I, I don't, I don't give advice. I don't talk about like, you know, disagreements I have with my wife or friends, but I, I also let people know, like, you know, I'm a person, you know, that, that just kind of exists in San Francisco. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't keep it a secret that I go to jujitsu. Um, you know, I, I even tell them what gym I train at if they're, you know, if they're interested in jujitsu or, you know, I'll, you know, they, they get the idea that I surf. I, mm-hmm. I, I reference my dog all the time. They, they generally know what neighborhood I live in. Mm-hmm. And then I think they also get that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of being me. It's mm-hmm. not, I'm not trying to sit behind some kind of like therapist wall and being like, well, you know, you're asking about me. Like, what does that say about yeah. you? Like, I don't know that that sounds so contrived. And that that's a process so you have to feel out those boundaries like if someone comes in and they ask me right away like hey are you this or something like that you know that's that's a boundary issue but over sure. time when i've worked with people for a while um you know it, it becomes it, it it becomes actually part of the therapeutic process a lot of times they're actually using using the therapist as a vehicle to get better themselves so if you're giving them nothing back i think that that actually impedes the process mm-hmm. Well, and in, in because you work with a lot of teenagers uh, as well, they they're gonna sniff it out immediately. <laughs> you know, if you're fake, if you're phony, totally. if you're BSing them, and so it it really would impede your practice entirely. I think if you were um, really closed off. But also, again, it's just whether you work with teens or adults, and you work with both, it it still um, yeah, it it matters for both, and adults can feel it as well. Absolutely. I, you know, it's funny that, uh, I have teenagers come in all the time and they'll talk to me about something I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> and, uh, I, I will talk to them about it. I'll be like, you know, they'll say, yeah. Oh, he's talking about medical marijuana. And I'll be like, okay, you know, like I'm, that's cool that you're curious about these type of things. And, but it's like just the fact that I've, I will listen to the, I will listen to that sure. podcast every now and then. Um, I will, you know, like I, I can have the opportunity to show curiosity around like, you know, their, their own learning, their own curiosity. But mm-hmm. then there's always a teachable moment in there where you're like, well, you know that what these guys are talking about, you know, this might, nece- you know, like this might not necessarily benefit you. Totally. Um, so the, and those conversations are so authentic and you find as a therapist actually enjoying them. Mm-hmm. So um, and then, you know, one of the other things I was going to say where I see therapists, um, you know, in really developing, I, I kind of spoke to this already, but where I find therapists to start to do really well is discern exactly who you're exceptional at working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that speaks to core focus. But more than anything, it's, you know, your, your phone is on, people are going to email you. But when someone calls you 
and you're listening to their presenting problem and you recognize that, hey, this might not be exactly the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Being able to say, hey, you know, I, I really appreciate what, what you're describing to me, your situation. What I'm hearing though is like, you might be better off working with this person. I know, you know, and you will know these people mm-hmm. if, if you're working in private practice and being like, what you're describing is something that my colleague so and such is exceptional at. And, you know, I can, I can handle this, this situation that you're working with. I'm, I'm familiar with it, but really what you're, what you're describing would be best, would be best suited to work with, say, you know, like here in San Francisco, like if someone talks to me about disordered eating, I will say like, hey, you should really talk to Shereen Barami yeah. or one of her, one of her people on the team. And people appreciate that so much because ultimately when they're calling you, they're, they're really trying to discern like, hey, I want to get better and I'm sick of making these phone calls. Mm-hmm. And so when you can say to them like, hey, if I'm not the right person, but here is the right person, sure. that, that is really helpful. And, but you know, what you will find is sometimes when you take those, when you take those cases, that are not a fit because you're like, oh, I got to fill my caseload. I'm really scared. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it turns out to not be a very good therapeutic fit. And the person finds it. You're not helpful. And ultimately, like you, you really didn't provide, you didn't really provide them with the support and value that they, they could have gotten um, by you referring out. And when you do that, you tend to build your caseload with exactly the people that you are best at serving. So absolutely. Um, that that's a huge one, you know. And a couple of the other ones that I, I was going to bring up was uh, we talked a little bit about this 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 cross referring when people are getting into private practice. Um, you know, I said what what is not a good idea is to you know just kind of email and text your fellow therapists who are a little farther down the road and say, hey, I'm going to private practice. You know, refer me some people. Yeah. You know, please, I need. Um, I, I find that like I I found the first two or three years, and even today, you know, I'll, I'll never stop doing this. Um, as a therapist, you have to provide exceptional value to other therapists. Mm-hmm. So what that means is sometimes, you know, like there's a few listservs that go around here in the Bay Area and a therapist will, you know, ask a question and rather than kind of self-nominating you to, to self-nominate yourself to be the best therapist for what they're asking for, um, you know, reply to them directly and, you know, you provide them with information about what they're describing. And usually what that involves is, you know, describing other therapists or saying, hey, I'll, I'll jump on the phone with you and chat with you for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've dealt with this a million times. Or I used to be the, the clinical supervisor for this program. I can connect you to the right people. And, it, I mean, people really appreciate that because sure. it's, you know, you're, you're get, you know, for one, you're, you're working for free and you're adding value to what they're doing. But over time, it's amazing how often I, I grab coffee with therapists now and, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll be like, hey, you know, we talked on the phone like four years ago and you just, you called me out of the blue from Edgewood and you, you told me the whole intake process and like at the time I didn't know how to do that. The family mm-hmm. was in crisis and like that was so helpful. And, you know, those, those people like, you, you know, it's like you can't give with expectation, but sure. over time you do find that like people will, will be like, hey, th- this guy Brad, like, you know, he, he really knows what he's talking about in this area. Like mm-hmm. he'd be a good fit. And again, that, that increases your visibility, but it's not, it's not you saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm this great therapist. It's you, you've, you've spent an amount of time proving other, proving value to other therapists and letting them know like, Hey, I, I want to be helpful in the community. Like I want to be a part of this. And, um, and you feel that with other therapists, you know, every now and then, you know, again, I, that email that I get from people is just like, Hey, um, send me some people. I'm ready. It's just like, dude, it does not work that way. Come on, man. <laughs> um, so that, you know, those are the things. And let me, uh, 
Or I was also going to say, and in the beginning too, I think you'll, you know, and that, that's one of the things I was going to say to how to, you know, like you find yourself working for free a lot. Mm -hmm. I will, you know, I go on site to, uh, you know, I'll go on site to other, um, I'll go on site to, you know, uh, you know, uh, community-based programs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Just talk to the interns and just, you know, kind of talk through a few vignettes, just, just things like that. I enjoy doing it cause it gets sure. me out of the office and talking to people, which I enjoy doing. Um, but that, you know, th those are all just things that just over time, like, you know, back to that thing that I think therapists struggle the most with is like that issue of visibility. Yeah. So I love it. Those are, those are the things that I found most helpful, man. Love it. And it's, it's gone well. Well, it's, you, you built a wonderful practice. You know, I remember exactly when you, when you started out and the other thing is just to kind of like sum it up or bring it together here, you know, it, nothing you've talked about is rocket science. There's no silver bullet for the practice. You know what I mean? There's no like one hack that means a full practice instantly for you. And it's about being helpful, which I think is incredible. It's it's simple, but very powerful and something that therapists overlook because for us, when we're starting out, we're trying to meet a need, which is I need a practice because I need money and I need this and that. And so we're very focused on what we need and we forget how powerful it can be to just serve others without asking yeah. for anything in return. So you're, you're, you're helpful. You're also pers persistent. You never stopped working on it. You know, you never reached a point where you went, cool, well, you know, either my practice is done growing or I'm not going to put anything into it or I'm done marketing or whatever. Like you allow yourself to be constantly contributing to your own practice and that that helps keep things pushing forward. So now that you're here and your practice is, is going great, you know, it's a culmination of all the efforts it's not just one yeah. effort. And people have a hard time seeing that because if I do an effort right now and it doesn't produce a result right away, we have a hard time doing that again. And so for you, sure. you've planted a million seeds across that city of San Francisco. You've stayed consistent. You've stayed persistent. You've stayed hungry. And you've stayed helpful. And all those things have created really for you the perfect kind of equation of, um, of getting to where you're at now. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to constantly evolve. Yeah. You know, there's, there's it. It, it's weird. It's... um. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, it's funny because therapy is about, you know, t taking people from going from like a reactive place to a reflective place. Mm -hmm. But even as a therapist who's who's reflective, you you have to constantly evolve. You have constantly to constantly react. grow. Yeah. You have to constantly well, you have to constantly learn. And it's true. It's um. And you have it to keeps us from getting boring. <laughs> I I can't imagine. I can't imagine just kind of like rehearsing all the things that. Uh, that I, that I learned, you know, like, yeah. you know, 10, 12 years ago, because a lot of those things are even outdated. But, you know, just even something that I'll see throughout the week, you know, like, you know, whether it's reading or something I heard on a podcast or, you know, from a lecture, totally. you know, like you, you have to constantly add those things into your practice and mm -hmm. it keeps you engaged. And, you totally. know, it, but yeah, the, you know, the other thing, yeah, there, there isn't, yeah, there, there is no one hack. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I think the idea of a hack is, um, you know, so if I were to sum it up with like a hack, I would say like, you know, being, you know, you have to work hard. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's the hack that's the ultimately. Hack. Yep. Yeah, and not, not what people want to hear, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> let me, let me, I, I should take my own medicine here is uh, working on multiple levels. John. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was, uh, I was, I, I was it. sloppy with my verbiage. I love uh -huh. it. 
Well, but and yeah, it's, you, we we could yeah. do a whole episode on this, but um, and I've talked about the things that martial arts have taught me. One thing I know about jujitsu, and I I'm not a jujitsu expert like you, but I did do. I did do a bit of it, you know, within Kempo Karate for like 10 years. Sure. And one thing I know from, so for those of you who don't know, jujitsu is essentially grappling. You're grappling. It's extremely exhausting. It's extremely laborious. It's very uncomfortable. Like you have a person laying on top of you at times and trying to either choke you out or bend one of your limbs in a way that's going to make you tap out. Like it's extremely intense and it's extremely skillful. And one thing that I, I remember from that groundwork is you have to stay calm in the moments where you want to panic. And actually you, you teach yourself or you're taught, you know, through jujitsu to not panic in the moments where people are most likely to panic. So you kind of overcome yourself and you kind of work with what you have, right? So if you go into jujitsu wanting an arm lock and, but what you have, what's presented to you as an ankle, then you use that. So that's, I mean, that might be stretching here at the, the parallel, but like, I do think there's something about that, that for you mentally and just from a kind of a, a mindset perspective, I think you have that kind of tenaciousness um, and, and it's also built into jujitsu. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I know. I think that there's like a book to be written about this, you know, it's like for you. budding therapists, <laughs> it's no, for real. It's no, in terms of like jujitsu itself and just like how difficult and how much you have to go back to the drawing board almost after every class, even after like 12 years. And I, I hope I can't wait to say this after like 40 years. Um, but just how humbled and how much you're exposed to how much you don't know and how much it tells you how much more you have to learn in terms of like whether it's exposing an arm and it's it's such like it's sound this is going to sound so cheesy man but it, <laughs> it is so like metaphorical for life yeah you know where it's just like you're you're constantly getting beat up you got to take those lessons and just kind of move forward um, it's so cool man yeah Love no it. i could i could spend hours talking about this but i i find this with everybody one of the things that i i talk to people about i, I joke around with a lot of my clients being like i oh, should just get into jiu-jitsu to grid for you you know like <laughs> it'll, it'll change your life and i think that's true but i i have discovered with some of my people man there's mastery in everything you yes. know whether that's that's rock climbing or getting into your art like people need to find purpose and be purpose driven that's and right. you can extract those exact same messages that's from right. those things no matter what they are so it's not just jujitsu, even though I think jujitsu is a strong front runner. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, man, we're out of time, and um, but it just means I'm going to have to have you back on. You you were already long overdue to come on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate. Going to have to have you back on. So, real quick, Brad, tell people where they can find out more about you. Yeah, the um, the best way to get a hold of me um is you can you can look at my website. It's uh, bradfordsmallwood.com. I go by Brad, but uh, my website is Bradford B R A D F O R D Smallwood. S-M-A-L-L-W-O-O-D, bradfordsmallwood.com. That's one word. Or you can email me at uh, brad at bradfordsmallwood.com. Um, that's, that, that's the best way to contact me. Um, you know, if you send me a message if you're a therapist uh, in San Francisco yeah, or really anywhere not. trying to get a private practice. Um, yeah, like I'd, I'd love to share with you um, what, what I've learned along the way. And, and John, man, it's so cool to see what you're doing. Like you um, – you know, just in terms of uh, me being thankful, um, you, you've really helped me a lot in private practice. It's so funny because I was your supervisor, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's so funny. Like I, I literally have learned so much from like the things that you've taught about private practice and just your ability to like 
see, you know, see things that I think other therapists don't, both as a clinician, but also someone who is trying to help therapists succeed in business. It's, totally. it's a rare gift that you have, man. And you've managed thanks. to do that and be a cool guy at the same time. So, <laughs> thanks. you trying. know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's one of those, I'm, I feel really lucky, man. So, um, awesome. I, I appreciate the time and I appreciate you and, uh, right on, man. Thank thanks you. Thanks again, man. There you have it, folks. Brad Smallwood. Thanks again, brother. And, uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah. Good talking, man. Cheers, man. See you, John. Hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. As always, you know what to do next. The first thing to do is to uh, leave a nice review for the podcast, if you enjoyed it, uh, wherever you're listening, and also to share your favorite episode with just a handful of therapist friends right now. Just open up the app, or you already have the app open. Uh, Just click share the episode. Send that link over to a handful of friends. Help us get the word out. Otherwise, again, if you're interested in purpose-driven practice, now is the time to take action. So again, click that link in the show notes, um, and you can book a free call with me. I'd love to talk to you about joining us. Um, Otherwise, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this one and I look forward to uh, seeing you next Wednesday. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.